look at um ozzy osbourne right now like holy yeah yeah <laughs> i watched an interview with him lately and uh, i haven't seen him lately <laughs> he was someone asked him just point blank are you sober now and he looked at the camera and he's like well, yeah, and just like did his Aussie mumble for 13 seconds. And then she was like, okay, take that as a no. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Guitar Origins podcast powered by AIMusicLessons.com, the site that teaches you guitar. I'm your host, Greg Verlet, and today I have the pleasure of speaking with G-Blizz. Now, you may have seen this guy's videos on TikTok before. He records guitar solos over songs that don't have guitar solos in them, like pop, hip-hop, R&B tracks. He's also a producer, and he's recorded a handful of songs with Pitbull, and he was the guitarist in the band that backed Doja Cat at the Grammys this year. How cool is that? Also, he's just a really down-to-earth guy and was just really fun to talk to. I feel like if I was at the pub late at night and needed to ride home, I could give him a call and he'd have my back. So, let's go. AI Music Lessons presents G-Bliss. Hey, well, you're a really kick-ass guitarist. Thank I mean, you. I've checked out all your TikTok videos, and man, you're a really, really good uh, soloer. It's it's crazy. Um, Thank you, man. Do you still practice? Um, You know, to be honest with you, like, yeah, I was going to say I do, but it's like, it's different than what it was. You know, it used to be regimented. It used to be like, um, I was homeschooled, actually, when I was young, like before high school. And so it was part of like my little like list of things to do. So it would be like math and blah, blah, blah. And like practice guitar for 30 minutes at least. And like um, there was like times where like my interest wavered as like a normal teenager or whatever, you know, <clears throat> or like maybe it was pre, it was more like preteen. It was like preteen because my parents were still like paying for lessons at the time. I was very privileged to have them like pay for private lessons for me. And, um, and like, you know, there was times where they would be like, we're not going to pay for your lessons if you don't practice. And I loved it enough always to be like, oh, shit. All right. I got to practice. You know, I, they got to hear me noodle Putting around down the parental ultimatum. <laughs> <laughs> but that was rare. You know, usually I like, you know, I, I loved it. I'm just I'm just like all things creative. So like it's easy to get bored if you're not like finding something new. So like that was kind of right. before I discovered um, like R&B guitar, which I'm sure we'll get to talking about. But. But yeah, like once I once I discovered like alternate stuff, I was like it was like a re love, you know, for the instrument. So just like that specific genre and that that type of guitar playing just really sparked your passion and got you super amped up. Definitely, about it, hey? yeah, definitely. That that was what was like. Oh, this is your thing. <laughs> what is it about R and B music and I guess R and B pop because you do a lot of. Um, I, I guess R and B has kind of become pop. Yeah, these days definitely. There's a lot of a lot of that kind of music out there. So what is it specifically about that genre? I think really I think what a good way to sum what I am up or what I like up is like soul. Like anything that has like soul in it. So not necessarily the genre, but just like, you know, most of the pop I've been involved with has like a soulful element. Um 
you know, and like sometimes that'll come out, like I'll be working on a pop session and then it'll like, I'll do something that's like soulful and people will be like, that's too R&B or that's like too country or that's too, and I'll be like country, you know, what? I don't even like listen or play country, but I understand it's like bluesy element or something. Sometimes it has to be like cookie cutter, but for me, it's just the the relation, like, I mean, soul is very much so a good description because it's like the relationship of that music to your soul. Like anything that's like cookie cutter or kind of like lab made, so to speak, overly digital. I mean, I love digital everything. I love the capabilities, but I just, I think there has to be like a life to the music. So I just tend to gravitate towards what makes me feel a certain way. makes my soul, you know, on a cellular or deeper than a cellular level. <laughs> yeah. So that's sweet. That's a that's a really interesting description of soul cuz w- like when I think of soul, I think back to like 1970s and like the origin of funk music and and stuff like that, like really groovy bass lines. Um like that's that's what I think of of soul and like very soulful singing, almost like church Definitely. And I have that stuff, background right? for sure. I have that background. But also there could be soul in like 808s and there could be a soulless 808s too, you know? I just think that that if you pay attention to how you react, you know, like on a physical level and how something makes you feel like, or, or, or like deeper than the physical, you know, I think that you can kind of tell like, oh shoot, like this is, this is like a, a, a copy versus like a from the heart kind of thing or something like that. So it, th- there could be rock, a soul in rock and it's not soulful rock, but it just has like, I just did like a Paramore TikTok today where I did like R- R&B guitar chords under like Haley's acapella and like change the whole mood of everything. But like, it's still like so much soul in that song, whether, whether I added that or not, you know, which, which song is uh, it? ain't it fun. I mean, pretty much all of their, their stuff has like soul to me. Yeah. I, I love Paramore. I've, I've always been super into them. They're amazing. I mean, for a band to last that long, you know, <laughs> in this day and age. So where do you think that guitar fits in R and B music these days? You know, I think it fits, it's like big. It's actually big right now. Um, it's like, it's kind of an R&B and also pop in the sense of like a polo G or like, it's like rap has become pop, you know, become the most popular. That's what pop means. <clears throat> I think most people realize that by now that there's like a genre of pop, which is like Lady Gaga and Taylor Swift, but that always tends to pull from whatever's culturally relevant anyway, you know? Um, but yeah, as far as like its place, I think that it's like, I think that it's, uh, there's multiple uh, places that it holds, but I would say that right now, like in a lot of popular music, you're hearing the guitar as the main instrument instead of piano or instead of like synthesizer or something like that. Like you're hearing the chords being played and it's like almost like, wow, that's the same progression as like a Green Day song, but now it's like Trippy Red or Juice World or someone. And like the, the tide kind of changes. And now I think it's like almost straight up trendy to have guitar chords like in your music i think it's less trendy to have a guitar solo which i'm trying to you know incorporate i i see that you're trying to bring it back i i freaking love (laughs) it thank you um like just watching uh you know listening to what a guitar solo in like justin bieber peaches would be like because it's not there and you know it's like it probably won't be on a lot of times it's outrageous yeah like I did like Ice Cube. It's not outrageous though. It's it not. sounds so good. <laughs> I did I did like a Meg Thee Stallion like one that was outrageous, but it worked still somehow. But it was like crazy. To, to it wasn't even like a big key center for me to go off of. I had to kind of just decide. So why why do you think that 
guitar solos died in pop music? I think a part of it, um, and I love rap, you know, I love rappers, but I think like part of it was like the rap feature almost that kind of did away with the bridge and the guitar solo, you know, um, it would be like, Oh, we'll just, we'll have a feature on this, you know? And I think that that might've played a role. I don't know. Timeline wise, when that started to become popular, I just don't have that much like of, of a history memorized, but I think that had a part to play in it. I don't know. When did, I don't know if you could tell me, but like, I'm not sure when it died. You know what I mean? I'm not sure when it stopped. It was before the nineties, right? Like the eighties, it probably died. Yeah, like we we were talking in a previous podcast about um about 90s pop and they always had Spanish acoustic guitar solos all the time. Like Savage Garden, just about like and you probably you you remember them, you're laughing, you you remember them, right? Like they're super prevalent. You would just break down, it go from the bridge and then bam, Spanish Santana guitar. Santana probably had something to do with the influence on that. Yeah, oh yeah, totally actually. That's a good point. Um and then after that Solos were kind of relegated to, I guess, like the formation of indie rock and obviously uh, the continuation of the punk movement um, in like the early 2000s and like starting with Green Day and grunge um, being super popular. Although even in Nirvana, you don't hear guitar solos, you know, like the solo is Kurt's Kurt's like grungy vocals or like, right? um, uh, you know, just just a two note. Yeah, just a two note thing. Yeah, exactly. And then like you know, you would Chili Peppers and stuff. Like you would have it, it's like, you know, there's like moment. It's, it's like a part. It became a part, and then that I think got even. It went from a solo to like a part of a song to like, not even happening. You know, but like you hear right. like um, I don't know, like Shawn Mendes, like. It's just like a little part. Yeah, it's just like a small break instead of a solo. It's like, you know, part of a hook totally. or something. But. Same deal with uh, with Bruno Mars too. Bruno Mars has a lot of those kind of catchy little licks and riffs throughout. Um, some of them on guitar, some of them on, on keyboard or, or synth or something like that. But um, I feel like that's where it's kind of sitting in music. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a fear of losing a general audience when you go to a musical. But I think that like... The average consumer is more musical than like than the creator of music kind of gives them credit for. I think that uh, like again, it goes back to like a soul thing. It goes back to like a resonance thing. Like people are kind of tired right now of everything sounding overly digital or overly just trap. Like they want to hear, you know, they want to hear that that hybrid. I would say the, the the blend, whatever we love about music now, which is like hard hitting. You know, sonically, I think music has never sounded better or more clear or loud, but you lose other elements, you know? So I think, like, people are scared, like, oh, you know, people don't, people just want quick, their attention spans, whatever. But, I, I mean, my whole entire, like, social media career is based on the fact that people actually love that. People that don't play guitar love to hear a solo in something, you know? And they worked in the 80s. I think we're in another 80s right now a little bit, almost. A little bit, yeah. Fads, it's like what every 10, 15 years, everything, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it kind of all cycles, right? I was listening to Tarantino on an interview, um, talk about that Quentin Tarantino, who's on a Joe Rogan podcast, and he was talking about how like we're in another 80s right now, and like he said, it was very politically correct in the 80s, and it, I find it to be like that right now, too. You know, everyone's scared to do or say anything, and yeah, I, I like your comment about um 
creators, I guess, not giving enough musical credit to to listeners. And, and I think today, how the music industry has like a giant paradigm shift in how we consume music. Everything's streamed. Um, labels are becoming a little bit less relevant because it, it's so easy to distribute your music independently now. We are our own curators of music, right? So we have to have actually a very good ear to figure out what we like and don't like because we are essentially our own label, right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's it's um you see that with like user made playlists and you see that you see that with who becomes famous by the by the volition of their fan, you know, like versus a, a a push. You see who just naturally rises to the top. You know, real talent has a shot, uh, thanks to the internet. Again, there was like a little spot where real talent, a Lizzo wouldn't have been a superstar because of her weight or her, you know, the color of her skin or the combination of those things. Like a a, a corporate label would be like, no, she's not Britney Spears. She can't be a star. And and they tell you that too. And it's very sad and it's not true. You know, and we're seeing that it's not true now that anybody can, can, you know, can be what they, with whatever their dream is, you know, like it can happen. Yeah. Same thing happened with Justin Bieber, YouTube. Um, Billie Eilish, yeah. same sort of way. Yeah, I, I would say just put your music out there and and keep practicing and and find your identity and hopefully good things will come. Art is about you know, and in our case, music is about an expression of it's your expression. You know, it's like how you express yourself. It's just a a little small expression of the human experience. So if you have that, odds are someone else has that. You know, so like if you're like, you know, if if you're like, damn, like I can't wait to be an artist one day when I'm cool and when I get girls and when I have money and when I have a car, you know, that's that you know, you're skipping on all the people that are trying to get there too. You can put music out in your experience now. Like Drake, I believe Drake was huge because of that. Like now he's that guy, but he wasn't always that guy and he made music for people who weren't always that guy. You know, he made music for just like the That's average right. experience, someone who talks about their emotions or, you know, a relationship or something like that. So, yeah. Drake's really interesting because I, I yeah, he's kind of like what hip hop. Yeah, I would I say, would you say I, like I would say so. And then like, I, you know, I, I look at Drake as like people say like, oh, Drake's like, you know, top whatever rapper. And I, I, I just consider him a top artist. You know, because he sings, he he brings in songwriters. People judge him for that, but you know, nobody was judging Michael Jackson for writing for singing fully written songs by Flow Tree. You know what I mean? Like he did Butterflies, Marsh Ambrosius. I'm pretty sure she wrote the whole thing, and he just cut it exactly how. And you know, or Rihanna did the Tame Impala. Uh, I forget the name of the song now, but she she did it like verbatim. You know, dun. you're seeing that it's like with these super mega stars could do that why can't you you know as he's a rapper but anyway yeah i think that he's just overall you know an artist do you think that that rappers are today's rock stars yeah definitely definitely just just the drugs alone the drug use alone (laughs) 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 so i'm thinking back to like the 80s and, and 90s when Rock stars were like Motley Crue, mm-hmm. Kiss, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. And it was definitely that mentality. Like, I'm going to grab a whole bunch of girls yeah, yep. and we're going to do a bunch of drugs. Tight clothes. And be barely caught. Like, look at, look at, um, 
Ozzy Osbourne right now. Like, holy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I watched an interview with him lately. And, uh, I haven't seen him lately. <laughs> he was, someone asked him just point blank, are you sober now? And he looked at the camera and he's like, well, yeah. And just like did his Aussie mumble for 13 seconds. And then <laughs> she was like, okay. <laughs> take that as a no. We'll take that as a big no. <laughs> Man. Yeah. I, I read something that Harvard did a study on Ozzy. Or maybe not Harvard. My bad. It was like a school though. And they did like some study on, on, on Ozzy Osbourne and how his DNA like changed around drugs. Like, like something crazy about how he should be like dead type shit, you know? Like his wife was like, if there was a Holocaust, or, I'm sorry, that's terrible, not a Holocaust, but what's, what's, what's it when it's, um, when the world ends? Sorry. I mean, like, Oh, an apocalypse. The apocalypse. Like, like, uh, he would, it would be him and cockroaches. That's what she said. Something like that. <laughs> Just Ozzy. <laughs> hey, he sounded great on Post Malone's record, though. He sounded like fantastic to me. Like, a lot of people come yeah, back. And- I don't know how he does it, where he just channels his inner youth. He saves and- all his words for singing. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's really interesting. Like, if, if you hear, um, singers that have heavy accents like let's say like a hard uk british accent and a lot of like uk rappers kind of have that too right Mm -hmm. um when they sing it's gone yeah you can't hear it at all like if you hear paul mccartney sing there's no british accent so true he sounds just like pure i've never understood that yeah because i I think it's a like a different part of your brain i think so like when you combine it with music like something else happens right so i think that that's why ozzy despite all of the drugs and, and horrendous things that have probably gone into that body, um, you know, can still, can still sing. Right. Absolutely. It's, it's amazing. I mean, um, my aunt, my great aunt had, um, some form of dementia. I wasn't that close to her, but, but I remember her going through it and not remembering who I was and who anyone in the family was, but she remembered how to play the accordion from years ago, like years and years ago. It's like, how do you remember how to play, a challenging song or a challenging instrument, but you don't remember like people you saw every couple, you know what I mean? Like people, you know, like it's amazing. So I mean, it, ha- it almost has that sub layer power. Yeah, totally. It's like a subconscious, like it's just different circuits in your brain. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and music just hits a lot of that. Like music is, is just so important for brain development. Absolutely. It's like, it's like a memory tool and everything. Yeah, exactly. Like they teach us like our, you know, our alphabet and things like that like it's literally to a melody you know now that now that i think about it it's like a b c d e e <laughs> that's right and just remembering riffs like as a guitar player right like you kind of chunkify it and you're like okay hey, i'm gonna learn this part of the riff and then get that down and then your brain kind of works on how to transition that to the next chunk it's so true it's a library, like a riff library. It's a library. Like you're remembering certain aspects and certain riffs here and there. Um, that's just super fascinating how the brain works. And nobody really understands still how it works. Yeah, absolutely. Just just like, I don't know, I, I didn't read into it, but I saw Elon Musk, of, of course, is trying to like beam music into people's heads or something. And he wants to come up with technology that, you know, it's you can transfer the, transmit the frequency. And I'm... I'm not sure how I feel about that. Is this part of his his brain interface? Something I don't know. 
it's, it was somewhere along the way. I can't really like confirm or, or deny the truth of it, but it was something along the lines of like, he wants to be able to beam music directly into somebody's head. And I thought that was interesting because I like the aspect of feeling music, you know, like how like deaf individuals will go to uh, a concert to feel. It's like you can't, they can't actually hear, but they go to a concert to feel the vibrations and stuff. I think so. Like, I know what you're talking about when you go to a live show and there's just something magical about it. I think it's the difference between consuming music or sorry, consuming video on, on Netflix versus going into a giant surround sound movie theater with the massive screen. It's an experience. Like you're going there to have a full experience, right? And the dude beside you chewing popcorn really loud <laughs> and sleeping. I'm like, why is this but, baby in this R-rated movie right now? <laughs> <laughs> but with music, same deal, right? Like I can be at my computer or on a run listening to music but I go to a live show because I want to see them live. And two, it just feels like a more complete experience. Like I actually feel like I'm experiencing something firsthand. It does feel magical. Absolutely. I think like, I think like uh, something in the future would be, you know, music, like audio files, like people who really love music, they'll, they'll you'll see more people, you know, like I have my my speakers set up here and stuff like that. I get to experience music on, at like a more banging level than a lot of people on average just because of like the speakers I own and stuff. But imagine being in some type of room where you can immerse a little bit, like some type of mattress or something, you know, and it's all hooked up. And if I, you know, like that would be cool. I think in the future you might, yeah. people might listen to music a little more. There's something coming out now where it's surround sound. They like, they headphones and stuff like that you know you figure yeah. yeah that's really they do that for for video games so you can like hear people's footsteps yeah. and yeah it's crazy that's like, that that's like literally like i play cod here yeah. and there and it's like a big aspect of it, of playing is like hearing someone run up on you yeah. or something cool like. another thing that i wanted to ask you is um on your tiktok you had a link to sample packs and i was i was wondering like how do you go about making one of those? I actually started a sample company with uh, three other of my friends. It's called Luxury Lane, uh, Luxury Lane Library. And um, really got to credit my my buddy Icy. His name's Icy Red. He's a dope producer. He's also got a, a pretty good following on TikTok. And uh, he does like remixes, like he'll do like drill remixes to R&B songs and just cool stuff like that. And he was like, yo, we got to make, we got to make samples. We got to get into the sample game. And I'm like, I already, you know, I make, I don't know, like, I think I do that already, you know, because I've been producing for a long time. He's a little younger, um, but he like, he showed me like, there's like a science to it. You know, there's a, there's a, uh, there's, there's more than just making like, it's more than just laying down like four chords, calling it a day, you know, and sending it to a producer. Um, so, you know, for me, um, some of the science behind it was like, just maintaining the, figuring out how to maintain the like, I have to, a producer has to hear this or a songwriter, but mainly a producer, like being like, oh my God, I want to work on that right now. I want to make a beat out of that right now. You have to have that like right. hook factor in. So it's just more than just like, you know, so like usually like you start with like a melody overlaid on some chords or something like that and then deconstruct from there. I'm, I'm like a little older school with the production. So I always was taught, you know, you start, you start here, you build up throughout the song. 
So like a sample is like reverse. It's like, here's like the whole thing and then just the chords if you want, you know, like just to capture people's attention. But as far as going about it, I just did like a little market research. Um, I saw that like most of them have 10. It took me forever to make the first one. And now like I'm making different ones quicker. I did one with my girlfriend recently, which is really cool. But basically I, you pick a theme. I mean, or not, you know, it's kind of like whatever rules you want. Um, is it is it a specific tone that you're trying to capture? Like, for example, if you're if you're writing samples for for hip hop, like what's what's a hip hop tone? So, like, I think about the the role that the sample played in the genre or whatever. So, like, let's say like true hip hop, right? Like not even like trap music, like just like Kanye, like my, my buddy and I thought about what did Kanye sample, you know, Motown stuff a lot of the time. So we went back and we made a pack called Time in the Bottle, Time in a Bottle, and it's Motown inspired. So it's not just guitar, it just, it has guitar, but it has, it's like literally like the songs, you know, um, the feeling of a songs from the era. And each sample kind of goes up in time. It's 1960, mid, early 60s, 70s, and then late 70s. And then we'll do one that's like 80s to 90s and shit like that. I remember that was that was super popular for um, for drum beats. Like the Amen breakbeat is used Yeah, it's everywhere. crazy. Like from jungle, drum and bass. It's just, it's absolutely everywhere. And it's sampled from some vinyl in like- Yeah, 70s. I saw this documentary on something. I forget what, I forget what song it was. It was like the most sampled song. It's like enough, there's enough, like I was, it was sampled enough to make a documentary about it. I can't remember the song. So with, with samples where, where you're kind of, you're giving people templates to work with in, in their songs, right? Do you think that, that hip hop is just recycling guitar or do you think that it's pushing its boundaries? I think it just, it just happens like slower than we want to from the outside. Like, so like if hip hop itself was an entity, then it cycles through sounds a lot slower than the creators inside of it, if that makes any wild sense at all. Like, what I mean is, like, hip-hop as a whole doesn't seem like it's evolved as much over the course of, like, even 10 years. You still have the similar hi-hats and, you know, 808s and stuff like that. And then, like, something, maybe it was, like, maybe it was, like, really piano-y at one time, and now it's, like, guitar-ish, you know? I'm thinking of Dr. Dre. The bum, 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 yeah, exactly. And then, and then back, and then again, like when like Lex Luger was popular and and Rick Ross, and it was like classical trap was happening. You know, like that doesn't happen anymore. What is classical? Like trap? it was like they were sampling like royalty free classical records, and so they're dark and like avant garde sounding. And like Lex Luger would sample like sections of the, and, and then it would just it made a certain genre. You don't hear it anymore. You know, but but the drums kind of stuck. Um, so yeah, there's a ton of recycling. I think hip hop was founded on that almost like it was founded on sampling for sure. Right. You know, R&B, R&B is like more so just an evolution of blues and gospel and soul music, you know, but hip hop is like super based on sampling. Like, and then there was a time period where samples got, where music got cheesy, like early 2000s, like in the nineties, there was a lot of heavy, heavy Hip hop was kind of being born. There was heavy sampling going on. Then the labels and the owners of the masters of these records started to charge an arm and a leg for the use of these samples. And then people stopped sampling and not altogether, but you know, it slowed down and you had like the South started to rise and it was like, boom, boom, bing, 
That's like a whole beat, Laffy Taffy. You know, it's like a whole beat. And it's like yeah. simple, you know? And now it's grown again. And I think, I think producer-made and uh, musician-made samples are like helping that happen. Now you see, you know, you're like, you listen to um, J. Cole dropped a single and people were like, oh, that sounds like a James Brown type vibe. But it was like some guy just made the sample, you know? And then uh, his producer used the sample, like T-minus or somebody. So it's it's like the name of the game if you're a musician and you want to break in to production. It used to be like, like for me, I kind of like put the guitar down for a while and learn how to be like good at making drums and good at making beats all together and stuff because I wanted to compete as a producer and not just a guitar player. But now you can exist, I think, in the world and just stay a guitar player and just make samples, you know? So it's pretty cool. I encourage all musicians to like to learn that that avenue a little bit. Do you, do you think that taking a, a little sabbatical from guitar, I'll call it a sabbatical, taking a little break and and kind of exploring other instruments and other avenues in music do you feel like that made you a better guitarist a million percent a million percent i even intentionally would like i don't do this as much now but when i was younger i would i would be like collecting riffs for my riff library my mental riff library so most people do it laterally to other guitar players you know like oh uh, slash does that i'm gonna take the, my favorite slash one take my favorite one from steve Vai, my favorite one from carlos santana whoever but but you end up sounding like them or a mixture of them, which is fine. You know, it's just how inspiration works. But it's like if you pull from a saxophone player or a piano player, and you try to like literally figure out a chord that a piano player is playing, you're going to end up with something like completely different, different expression than like what other guitar players, you know. So I would study saxophone players and singer. A, a lot of singers, you know, I think people, I've gotten like comments that it sounds like, a vocal, like my guitar could sound it, like a vocal. I, I, abs- I have a note here. Like, it sounded like the talk box from Chromio. If you know, yeah, who I do. They, some people say I actually look like one of those guys in Chromio. <laughs> yeah, you, you totally do. It's tripping me out right now. Um, so they have a talk box where it's like a, a synthesizer keyboard, and then it has um, a plastic tube that comes out of it that sits in the, the vocalist. Yeah, mouth, I have one. I don't have and it on. It me. controls like aspects of it. Yeah. And I don't know like what you've done to your guitar tone to make it sound like almost a talk box. Like I don't I don't really know. Man, I'll I'll go over the whole I don't even mind sharing the whole thing. I've I've like typed it out for people in my comments before. It's a common question, but I use a Ottawa plugin actually on my computer. And um I put it before uh well, I've done it a couple of different ways, but how I have it now is just like it's it's happening before the amp. So I have like a preamp, um, like physical hardware. Uh, it's it's called the. Uh, it's, it's made by Chandler Limited. It's um, Red Forty Seven is what it's called, and it's just like a really solid preamp. Apparently, the Beatles used to use like it's like an Abbey Roads emulator. So apparently, the Beatles used to use it and like like push the gain instead of using an amp. They would get distortion oh, cool. that way. They would do like the analog yeah. side of it. So it'd be like. So I have yeah. that instead of an actual guitar amp. Like, I mean, I, I, this is just for like studio stuff. So I have that going into, um, and I, I like the Neural DSP stuff, um, the plugin. I use the Corey Wong one right now. And uh, I'll also use Guitar X6, which is so dope. How did you arrive at this setup? Like, what, what sort of experimentation went on where you're like, yes, this is the tone? And, and did you have like a bunch of iterations of that? 
where you're like, nah, this isn't me. Or- I, I never really felt like something wasn't me, but I just, I felt when I found the wah, the auto wah with distortion and, and uh, I was playing through this at the time, like when I discovered it, this is my a Baker guitar. And, um, and like, it has like such serious like sustain and like pick a, it just has a lot of gain and, and it, it like drove the auto a certain way. Like it really, it really like hit it. It makes it like activate. And then the same thing, I have this, the 64 Strat pickups and the, the Lawlers. So I have those in, in my Strat and like same thing, like a regular Strat might not like push the auto a, you have to like mess with the sensitivity and stuff, but because it's such a gain heavy setups, like it just, you know, it drove, it drove it. And I think it's that going through the distortion. So it's like, why then distortion, not distortion, then why like in your chain, it kind of matters. Interesting. I would have done it distortion then why. Yeah. You can, you can hear the difference. Cool. Um, and then, so was it, was it a fuck up the first time that probably, you did it? I was probably like, I think it was like me being a producer and being like, Oh, plugins, like the order of plugins matter. You know, like I, I, I consider myself a even though guitar is like how I got into music, I kind of consider myself a producer over a guitar player, even though I'm, I stand out as a guitar player. I understand that about myself, but I think that having the producer mind, like I'll be on stage and I'm still thinking like a producer, like, let me not outshine the singer right now. Let me, you know, whereas like a lot of guitar players are just fucking show offs, you know, <laughs> we could all be, but I've noticed that about your, your TikTok videos, like, you you can shred that's like that's obvious but you don't in certain yeah. places because you're really trying to make it sit correctly in the music absolutely right? i care a lot about that yeah yeah i think um i think it becomes noise you know i would go to like these jam sessions and like these guys are like playing drums and they're amazing right they're like they're like doing all this stuff that's like offbeat and doing us and then coming back in on the one. And it's like, wow. But if you don't know, it just sounds like no, absolute noise, you know? And I think it's the same thing. Like we hear shredding. We're like, wow, that's really impressive. But like somebody who wants to just feel something, if it's like blah, 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 the whole time, you know, that's, that's what it sounds like video games or music or something, you know? And um, I had a, I had a few teachers, but somebody who left the impact, this guy named Curtis, he, he, he was a guitar player at my church when I was young, I went to like a mega church when I was young. And that's kind of how I got some cool experience too, playing. But this guy was like, like I used to love blues and I, but I used to play fast and he used to be like, Hey man, you don't always got to play fast, bro. And like that little sentence, like I was like, I don't, you know, <laughs> like it, it changed, it changed the vibes, you know, and, and I learned about finding the pockets. And I had another music teacher in high school that said, uh, music is controlled silence. And I was like, Oh shit! Yeah. So now I think about like when not to play too. You know? Yeah. <laughs> that's a that's a really cool outlook on it. I love that. Appreciate it. Thank you. So have you just given up on on amps altogether? Like you just don't use um, them anymore? I mean, if I play live, I have like this this PV one. Um, I play so it's it's like I don't know. It looks like a tweed. I don't even know the name of it. Like I'm like a bad guitar player in the sense of gear. Like I used to not know what kind of pickups I had because I bought my guitar used and. Like I'm very more about the music than like the you know how like you ever there's guys that are gear heads but they're like not that great at playing like you know I'm the opposite I'm like a solid player but like a lot of the times I'm like I don't even I don't even know man I don't even know (laughs) 
So I really <laughs> I don't know like the latest amps and stuff like that. I have like it's a tube amp. It's like a Fender replica, but it's made by PV basically. And uh, and yeah, I, I use it. It's it's in my car right now, and I use it for when I rarely play live because even that is something I haven't done that much these days, especially because of coronavirus. Nice. So do you feel like the whole exploration of your tone and and kind of like nailing down your identity as a guitarist and what what you want your brand to sound like because you have a very specific brand like now if i listen to a guitar solo i'm gonna know it's you <laughs> uh, just because i know um do you feel like that helped you land gigs with with um you know bigger guitarists like you're part of gummy worms uh virtual yeah. band, and wow. you guys teamed up with with doja yeah. cat uh for the grammys as their as her band which is freaking thank incredible you. thank you thank you for so, noticing <laughs> how did you uh how did you land that like how does that happen? Yeah, man i mean it's that's the power dream. of that's yeah it really is it's like the power of social media like because back in the day uh man i'm, I'm trying to think it might have been youtube which i don't really utilize as much as i honestly should to this like this day but i was like doing it a little bit more back then it was it was either youtube or vine or both but i was putting myself out there and playing just trying to get as many gigs as i could and uh man this this dude dj like reached out to me on facebook it, might, it was facebook too i might have been like me sharing my youtube stuff on facebook but man social media and like just put myself out there these guys were like look we're up here we're all at berkeley I was, I think I was still in high school or I was about to graduate high school. And they were like, you know, we don't have a guitar player though. And we love your vibe. Like, can you, you know, and we had never met in real life uh, for years. And then we did a, like a real life gig together in LA one time, but it was cool to do the Grammys that way because that's how we started. So honestly, that wasn't, that wasn't because of notoriety on TikTok or Instagram or anything. That was because it's like, I've been cool with those guys for like 10 years. <laughs> And then he got the gig, the drummer. Yeah. So did you, um, like when you recorded for the Grammys, were you guys physically at the Grammys or did you guys? No, I was in my boxers at my tracks. crib right here. <laughs> <laughs> you're just sitting there making music for Doja Cat in your boxers. And you're like, yeah, just, it's just chill. super chill, you know, just vibing. And like, I'm, I'm, I'm weird, man. Like, I love people. I love being out. I love doing things and traveling and stuff. But I'm also, like, quite a homebody. And, like, I, I love my peace and quiet and, like, simplicity and, like, low uh, low stress environment. So, like, I almost, like, want to do all my gigs like that, you know? <laughs> That's got to feel so surreal to have your work displayed at that level of notoriety. It was crazy, man. But at the same time... You're also like not there on stage, so you're not really getting that like recognition at the same time. So it must be like a, like a, I don't know, it's a mind mess a little bit, hey? It was a little bit like interesting to, to explain that to people. Like you understand that right away, but like, like I was trying to explain. Like my, my aunt texted me. She was like, "Say hi to Post Malone for me," and I was like. I wish I could, you know, but this is how, and I, I felt like that might've been like disappointing, but it wasn't, you know, at all. Like it was yeah. cool. It was cool. Like I can't right now because I'm in the boxers. <laughs> It'd be weird. <laughs> It'd be weird. <laughs> Go up, give Dave girl a hug in your boxers. <laughs> I know. Right. I, I should definitely do that now if, at the real Grammys. <laughs> Just go to your boxers. <laughs> this is how I feel comfortable. <laughs> I feel like I'm at home right now. Yeah. 
You've also worked with with Pitbull before, right? Yeah. Yeah. What was that like? He's he's very like uh I don't know if he is, but it seemed like he's almost elusive in a sense, which I think if you're at, at that level, you kind of have to be. But I never met him before, and I probably I'm trying to think. I probably have like seven or eight songs with him released, and maybe ten to fifteen total unreleased. Um, but I just got close with his DJ and his keyboard player. And another buddy of mine introduced me. His name is Johnny Boy. He introduced me to them. And we worked down at Circle House in Miami. So it was really a product of Johnny Boy being an engineer at Circle House, me being cool with Johnny Boy, me being more musical, Johnny being more sonic-oriented, us coming together, making like a dope sound and working with them, you know? So I, I've, I'm even in a music video with Pitbull, but I didn't meet him. Like he shot it at a different time, and it was more circumstantial than him like not wanting to. You know, it wasn't anything like that, like him being Hollywood or anything at all. But it's just like circumstantial. So I just haven't met him yet, but I, I, I will. I know I will. <laughs> but, but honestly, I have to say, I was just telling my my friend this. Uh, the only pretty much time that I've gotten paid before a song has come out and gotten a contract before a song has come out is with Pitbull. He does business the way it should be done. And every every other artist that I've like worked with, like with all respect to them, but the label is it's been like sometimes eight months after the song's out. It's crazy, you know, where you get paid and a contract and stuff like that. So shout out Pitbull. Yeah. <laughs> shout out to Pitbull. My man Pitbull. <laughs> so for for new guitarists out there would you recommend kind of going down the producer route or kind of following the whole rock star dream? Um, like what, what do you think is more viable for the music industry in this day and age to, to make money and do that? You full know, time? somebody told me like advice was given to me to do both and I didn't really listen. I, I went the producer route um, because it just was more what I wanted you know, and I'm just like, I make my rules. People, maybe, maybe it would have been better to, to be, but it's like a kind of a personality thing at the end of the day too, you know? And um, if you're like, if you want to be out there and you're young and you're like, I want to see as many states and countries and women or whatever you're into, you know, like that's for you. That's for you. You know, for me, I've always been like, I like, I always been a creator. So I've been like, I, I got tired of playing other people's music quickly. And I was just like, I want to create music. So I, I would say like the best advice is to realize that there's not a rule to how you can be a guitarist. You can exist in a lot of ways. You could be like um, something I'm going to do more of now that I have more of a platform is like release instrumental albums. You know, like you can make money off that. You can get those things synced and make money off that again. You know, so streaming and sync. You can make loops. You can, you could be like a guy who only tours, but he also sits there and make loops. So you don't, maybe you don't understand formatting and songwriting and drum programming and bass lines and stuff and sonic design, but you make decent recording loops and, you know, Murder Beats makes a loop out of it. Boom. Platinum, you're a platinum producer now, you know? So, you know, there's, there's something for everybody for sure. And I would say just do it sits well with you you know like a lot of people try to say there's one way to do whatever even artistry you know even being a, an artist and singing and whatnot and stuff like that like 
you know, you could do it any way you want. Like the gorillas didn't even show themselves. There's cartoons, you know? <laughs> yeah. That, actually, when, when I read about your band, um, about Gummy Worms, I saw a virtual band. And I was like, wait, like, like the gorillas, I know. <laughs> like they're all avatars. <laughs> That'd be cool, man. I wish. One day, one day I'll have a secret side project where I'm like a cartoon and you'll know it's me, but no one else will. <laughs> nice. So what's, um, like when you're joining a band, so you started um, homeschooled, right? So you didn't necessarily meet up with with kids in like junior high or, or high school or something and start to kick a band off, right? Um, and even now, you're you're in a virtual band with with people that you know you've met a handful of times. Um, how do you how do you go about finding those people to start a band, and and when do you feel like you're ready to start? Man, it's all about like. Um being like like on an equal playing like a relatively level playing field so if you guys are all like mid mid-level you know uh players then you're good because you're gonna like grow together but if like one person is like a freaking virtuoso and everyone else is whatever that person is gonna be pulling the weight everyone else is gonna feel like they're not good enough and you know that kind of thing so i would say just find people you're equally matched with um and nowadays the internet is just like the answer to even in your area, like to find people in your area. I don't know. I mean, I, I went to a big church when I was young though. So I, it was multi-denominational, which is like, so it wasn't Catholic. It wasn't gospel. It wasn't, it was just like, they're just trying to be very modern. Wait, you said it was like, it was a mega yeah, church. It was like 2000, yeah. 2,500 members, something like that. And uh, this was in Connecticut. Uh, and th- I met a lot of like, gospel guys through that like there would be people from the surrounding inner cities that play gospel music and like they were i was 16 years old i was into blues and i was into rock music and they were like yo we got to bring you to a shed and i was like what is a shed like my dad has one in the backyard like what and it was it, it meant jam session and it was set up like three or four different drum sets four three you know two or four bass cabs there was always less guitar players than anything for whatever reason but their their keyboards and you know sometimes vocalists or whatever we would just get together and just jam and you would literally show the fuck off like you would just try to when it was your turn you would just go crazy and people would be like oh my god and and that feedback it was just like it made you want to be disgusting at your instrument you know but that's how I got exposed to gospel. And a lot of gospel musicians got hired for R&B gigs. And that's how I got more exposed to playing R&B, you know? So it's all through, it was kind of all through the church, ironically. Uh, but yeah, it's just whatever network you're in, like you're going to find some, musicians tend to attract each other. It's weird. <laughs> it's true. Like all, all artist types, yeah, I think. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, oh, I you're not a normal too. You're not a normal person. Like I like you. <laughs> you're for me. Get him a band. Yeah, yeah. So what do you like better? Do you like being in a virtual band or do you like in person band better? Um I Well, I know you get to wear your boxers in the virtual band, so that's cool, right? Show up at band right, practice. Exactly. A little bit of both, because I I enjoy like doing the Grammys that way. I probably I probably would say that I still would enjoy doing it that way because I'm you know, I'm a, I'm a human man. I get freaking nervous as hell being on the Grammys. Like, no matter what, no matter how many followers or how many people I've played in front of, like twenty thousand people before, and I played on BET as well, which is broadcasted to millions of people. Actually, I have a few different TV shows, but like the Grammys, it would just be like I would just know that everyone was watching me, and that alone is like, ugh, like you know, crazy pressure, man. 
Uh, it's being recorded. It's it's high it's stakes. High stakes, I would man. Say. Yeah, I still would absolutely do it. You know, I would take a solo on the front the front stage. You know, if I was given the opportunity. But if you had to be live at the Grammys and you have to step up for your solo, what's what's your mental preparation? How do you do it? I I I don't know if I could take the pressure. Um, I think I'm I think I'm like experienced enough in just 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 being a player like knowing like I don't when I solo I I rarely think too much you know so I probably wouldn't even I would probably have like an idea of what I want to do but I probably wouldn't set it in stone because then I would just establish something that I could get wrong versus like I'm just going to freestyle it so I think I would freestyle it honestly even if it was like my generic go-to licks I would probably just do that and do a lot of bends and make a lot of faces and 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 just feel it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> Have you seen that YouTube video with um it's this uh kind of younger guitarist and he's going over the guitarist stank face <laughs> and he's explaining like, "All right, when you do a bend, imagine you're smelling just the rankest smell in the world, I didn't like see it's that. foul cheese, it's bad I socks." I commented on that so much. Some some people are literally like Ew, his faces are so ugly. And I'm just like, thank you for the boosting my algorithm, you know? But like <laughs> it's funny though, man. Like it's like a polarizing thing just to make faces. You would never think it. Cause it started off me just genuinely feeling it. And then after a while, like I noticed people comment on it. And I'm like, oh, some people don't know what this is. Yeah. People are literally like, why is he making those faces though? And other people will jump in and defend me for me. I don't even have to say anything. They're like, you don't even know about Stank Face. Like, <laughs> It's a thing, though. I don't like when I play guitar, my wife sometimes looks at me and she's like, what's that? You're right. <laughs> what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. I'm just I'm bending the strings. I don't I don't control my face when I'm no, doing that. No, definitely not. Definitely. I make weird, weird, strange faces for sure. Going back to what we were talking about before with like your your neural pathways just being different for while you're playing music like it's a subconscious kind of thing like yeah i feel like the best guitar that i play is when i'm half zoned out and i'm i'm not overly thinking and you said this before too you're like i when i'm not turned on my brain so much while i'm playing something i play better and i feel like i i'm in the zone better and i feel exactly the same way i think uh I have I have some theories on that. Um, I believe producing music is kind of a similar thing, and my theory is that you have to do the work to build up your library, your skill set, your ability to play. You know, like learn as many scales, as many chords, because it gives you the freedom to zone the hell out. You know, so it's like it's kind of like both. Like some people think like, oh, are you just a freestyler, or do you know theory or whatever? I'm like, it kind of helps to be everything because. It gives you that freedom, you know, but I believe that like um, whether it's spiritual or just energetic or anything like that, I believe that like the best art is like channeled more or less, you know, I don't know from where, from what, maybe you could channel Jimi Hendrix, you know, like the soul or maybe you could channel whatever energy he was channeling, right? However, whatever you believe without getting weird, I just think like when you zone out and you're in the flow state, you're you're channeling something. It's just, it's happening. And I think like almost all the greatest artists in the world don't take full credit. You know, they're like, oh man, I was just, you know, I was just zoning, 
you know, but you can take credit for what you've learned. But in that moment, you're you're just basically being a vessel for like for music itself. They people say like the best songs write themselves and stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that, that's true. Yeah, I mean, so over the course of your career, like, what do you think is your biggest accomplishment? And then what's your what's your guitar dream? Like, what's your next step? Is it Justin Bieber calling you up and saying, "I got this new track. I need a solo on it." That's one of them. That's for sure. Like, I'm waiting for the the huge hit record that like I'm doing the solo on. You know, I mean, it sounds uh, it sounds cocky, but I've heard a few different solos come out, and I've been like, "Dang, they should have called me," because it just is. It just you know what I mean. <laughs> You're like Batman, you know? like like or they, they should have <laughs> called me, or they should have called Steve Vai, you know, or or somebody, someone. But like, don't use like a middle with crappy tone and digital rolling no it's no offense to rolling but like some old rolling pedal sounding plugged in you know i you know what i mean like just something like digital sound you know you hear that a lot in like hip-hop and stuff i'm like man you know i could have done it we need we need like a a g blizz bat signal that people can shoot up in the sky called g blizz for a solo and it's just (laughs) what would it be like silver, silver, <laughs> something like that. Something. I mean, I love my my. So Blizzman is my last name, and it means lightning man. So I I always like have like the you know the lightning, lightning bolt I, everywhere. I usually use the emoji. So maybe it would be some type of lightning bolt, a lightning bolt with teeth. I don't know. You fan of Thor? Yeah, definitely. We you were like joking Thor? around like, nice. who would be what Avenger, and everyone always says I'd be Thor, just because of the weather control. Because Blizzman. Yeah. <laughs> That's a sweet last name, man. <laughs> Thank you. I feel I'm honored to have that. I think it plays a big part of like who I am, you know. Well, that's awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the cast. Really appreciate it. It was great to to uh, get to know you and, and hear about your guitar journey. And such a pleasure. Thanks for coming on. Man, absolutely. Anytime. It was it was absolute pleasure. Yeah.